Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 436. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. How's it going? Hey, you know, it's going on, eh? Good. How you doing? Doing good. Busy. Busy with life, you know? Uh, this week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the sci-fi comedy Big Bug, which is available now on Netflix. We'll also be going over some we're watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be extremely helpful. Um, I don't really have anything for housekeeping. Uh, the we, we have the theme for this month's Saved by the 90s. We're going to be recording it this week. So stay tuned for more information on that. Uh, probably next week I'll, have, uh, I'll be able to tell you the movies and the theme and all of that stuff. But uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. I think we can go ahead and dive into our review. Now I'm ca- I'm calling it Big Bug because it's all one word is the title. So it's not like Big Bug. Is that how you're reading it, Big Bug? Yeah, I mean, but how how else could we read it? Should we run through a couple different Well, you can say Big Bug. Big like bug. like two words. Like that oh, that's a big bug. You know, like a computer like a bug in a computer system oh, yeah that, i mean if you're if you're a fan of insects you're going to be disappointed highly <laughs> yeah. disappointed. this has nothing to do with insects no, Sorry. no, no. it's a computer computer bug so this is directed by jean-pierre Jeunet, a name that we haven't really talked about in a while on this show mm-hmm. more in general uh, i have a synopsis no, here no. humans have ceded most tasks to ai in 2045 even in nostalgic Alice's home. So when robots stage a coup, her androids protectively lock her doors. So when was what was the last movie that, that Janae did? Was it, he did. uh, Oh, T.S. Spivet. That's probably the one, the young and prodigious T.S. Spivet. Yes. And this is something that I immediately looked up after learning about big book, which is, I mean, kind of odd that he just have a movie from this guy dropping on Netflix. No fanfare whatsoever. Just like, oh, by the way. I know. Is it really, yeah, it's really weird. So I was like, oh, man, it's, it has been a while. It feels like it's been ages. Uh, so I looked it up because I'm thinking Micmacs was the last thing. Because mm. honestly, I completely had forgotten about T.S. Spivet. I didn't even see it. Uh, I did. It was bad. Yeah, I remember you talked really about bad. it on the show, I think. And I remember T.S. Spivet being kind of a, it felt more of a, like, Gilliam slash Burton mm-hmm. type thing. And, like, it just didn't feel like him. And Big Bug is, feels more like him, but too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, like, it's it's really interesting, like. So if you're if you're not familiar with with this director, he's a very visual director. This is the guy who did Amelie, Delicatessen, City of Lost Children. Like these are all like insanely visually stylish, very quirky movies. And when you compare Big Bug to to those three that I mentioned, or even Mick Max, uh, it's it's very different. It's like. Uh, it's, it's, it's it's still visual. It's, it's it's kind of the same. It's just yeah. like the color palette is just right. That's the, that's exactly Oof. what I was just gonna say. 
the big thing is the changing color palette. Whereas with those other movies, you have lots of browns and golds and like everything is kind of washed out and, and sort of metallic with big bug. Everything is like very bright, vibrant, lots of colors, lots of contrast. And it, it is a, a, it is definitely I think one of the most notable things about this movie that that I think most people will say is like, well the visuals are just something something else in this. Um, it's the the other elements I think are what help make it feel like a Genet movie as well, like the characters, like the oddball characters, the weird mannerisms that people have, and the sort of offbeat comedy that's that's employed here some of it like leaning on the more darker side of things and and you know he he also tends to to seem to like to incorporate little communities like having weird oddball neighbors and stuff like that with a lot of his movies and that that's all on display here too i think to varying degrees of of uh success yeah definitely i think it's just it's just too much <laughs> it's, it's it's just it it's is too plastic feel like it's just overly artificial just excessively so it's extremely french <laughs> yeah and i just yeah. like it's super french and i don't know if i can necessarily uh explain what that means, but I also feel like by simply saying it's excessively French, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I'll, if not, I'm sorry. I, I don't know how how else to explain it. Especially, like, French comedies. Like, I don't know if... I don't. I can't recall any, like, newer French comedies that I've seen, but it, it feels very much like a lot of the kind of older French comedies... Too, where everything is every, everything is just so f- frantic and and just kinetic and yeah. every everything is moving so fast and that's one of the issues I had with this is that, uh, that a lot of the stuff happens and you're just like wait a minute let's take a step back especially like what happens at the end I feel like he had no idea how to end this movie and it just the, the way that it ends is kind of baffling to me like none of it felt really justified like I didn't I didn't understand the the way that it ended and I, I felt like everything was just happening way too fast. Like there, there wasn't any time to establish these characters and it took me a, a while to even figure out the relationships between some of these people. Like I, I didn't know like that, the, that the, the young, the young boy or the teenage kid was like the guy's son for a little bit. And, and like, there's just, there was no time for us to like take a breath to just sort of. Well, I think that's the the peculiar aspect of this movie because to me it has a very peculiar pace to it. it yeah, is, it's like you said it's very frantic. It just it never stops to take a breath, but at the same time it feels like it drags on forever. And well, it's just so bizarre. I just like how. Yeah, I mean, it, that definitely happens. Like in the second act and in, in the middle bit when they're just kind of hanging out and not really doing anything like that's when it gets really 
sort of where it slows down. And yeah, it's just, I think that maybe one of the problems is because you're introducing the viewer into this future world where this isn't like a near future type of thing, even though it takes place in 2045, like this is way off. I mean, we are so far beyond where we're at right now in the present. Like a lot of the, your time as a viewer is going to be spent just drinking in this world and, and like looking at, at the technology and understanding like all of the, the different gadgets and robots and how things work in this world, because it's so vastly different than what, what, where we're at right now. Now, do I think that we could get to this point? Like, yeah, probably, but it's still like so far different than where we're at that. I think a lot of your time, like you're, you're trying to follow these characters and what's going on in their relationships and the conflict between them. But at the same time, you're just trying to understand this world and everything just gets so muddled. And like you said, it, it does, it does lag in the, in the middle. And, uh, it's, it's, it just, it all feels really off. And I think that it, I think that it is due to the weird pacing. And it's just, it's just bizarre because like in, the, in my eyes, the, the world building, I think is pretty, pretty fantastic. It's definitely the highlight of this, of this movie, the world, the technology, all the things that's happening in that aspect, the production design, art direction, all of that. Definitely the highlight. Where you're like, okay, this is really thought out. I like this. But then to just populate it with people, which I guess is, you know, some kind of commentary. And I mean, this movie's all commentary, which is, I think it's biggest knock against it. Just to populate it with a ton of people that are very horny. And I think that's the Frenchness. Just frantic <laughs> horniness. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. just like, okay, you're, you're this sustained horniness and the frantic nature of it is it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. <laughs> yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of uh, relationship stuff going on here between like the Alice and her suitor and the ex-husband and his new girlfriend and then the neighbor and Greg. Yeah. It's just, there's the, yeah. yeah. And then, and then the, the two kids also have like, Yep. a budding yep. romance and, and then even the like the androids are like oh this is this is how we can become human yeah so of course the one you know the mecca monique starts mm-hmm. giving it a test run it's like can we just take a break can we just take a break for like you guys just do it yeah we'll get like out of your ten, system 10 minute break just get it. you guys can do it and we can move on to something else maybe I don't know. I think it was like the heat had a had a played a role in that. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's just <laughs> it's just it's too much. It's I, just too. I will again. I, it's too French. Whatever that means, it's too French. I will uh, underscore double down on what you said about the the visuals. I, I loved pretty much everything as far as like the look of the house and like just like pretty much everything. How all the computers worked, the voice activated the AI stuff, all the robots, like that all looked awesome. I think it was, it was, uh, 
it was a mix of practical and CG, but more heavily leaned on the CG stuff. I think there were a lot of CG things that probably didn't need to be, but it was clearly going for a sort of like uh, farcical like kind of style. Yeah. So yeah. so it wasn't like uber realistic looking CG. It was definitely like exaggerated looking, which I think yeah, every, it's just. I think that's the thing. It's just everything about this is so heightened and yeah. artificial. Yeah, that, like, everything you're not if you're not tapped into that or on you know on the same wavelength from the outset, it's just going to rub you the wrong way the entire duration. Yep. I will say that probably my favorite thing as far as like the items was that chair, like uh, the chair that like folded down. Oh yeah, you can buy those. I think I think that's just a normal chair. Then, well, that's what I was thinking too. Like, because that looked like just a real chair, but it was so cool how it folded down like that. Yeah, I mean, it's just—I don't know. It's like it's just too sweet. It's just too garish for me. For you know, almost 120 minutes. Yeah, it's just bit too i like i my eyes can't take that much input (laughs) it's just too many colors it's a lot it's a very glossy very glossy bright movie it reminded me of now i didn't see these movies but it reminded me of the uh the robert rodriguez uh shark boy and lava girl or spy kids like kind of reminded me of that style and again i haven't seen any of those but just like from the previews and stuff. Yeah. Or speed racer. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I think, I think speed racer is actually a good, that's a, that's a good comparison. Like where everything is just so bright and neon and even the people, even the, like the people, like the androids, like all the robots. Oh yeah. With their fake, which I mean, big fake teeth. And that's the thing is like, there's positives here because like with the people that play the androids, I got to give them credit. Like those are phenomenal performances because mm-hmm. they yeah. did not feel real to me. Yeah, at all. Like Greg, I thought the guy who played Greg did a really good job. They just, they all freaked me out. Monique, <laughs> yeah, all Greg, weird. Yonix, like they're just like, they're just not real people. And it freaked me out. So kudos to you and your performances because it was just unnatural and I didn't like it. But at the same time, <laughs> That's what you're going for. So bravo. Yeah. But at the same time too, like with the, the messaging, cause I mean, it's, you know, it's just, it comes down to the way I see it is about the EU and it's just a bunch of boomer bullshit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, just, it's just kind of outdated. Like, yeah. Like the Jennifer character is kind of like the, you know, like a Elon Musk reply yeah. guy, yeah. defender. She's like the young hip one. And then you have Alice, who's the one who's kind of holding on to the nostalgia. She's holding on to the past. She has a library of of real books, like old books. And they have this like sort of little museum of old technology. Yeah, but of course you have the Yonix that has all these rules and regulations that are designed to protect people. But Mm -hmm. in all actuality. Yeah, it's creating this like authoritarian type. Yeah. Dystopia. 
and you know it's the the humans and the androids at the outset feel like they're against each other but it turns out that they just need to band together and go against the government yep yeah i i was not uh, i wasn't really into the whole the kind of like overarching narrative either i I found it more interesting the sort of stripped down base level where it's just a bunch of people horny bunch of horny people locked in a house yeah. together with some some kooky some kooky robots trying to help it's them kind out. Of take, it kind of taking time away from the horniness here and there. Just like little respites of like how can we get out of here? How can we yeah. get out of this house? I did like, but it, like it, but it, it honestly, it felt like they shouldn't have focused on it. They shouldn't have focused on trying to get out of the house. It seemed like the more immediate thing was their horniness and they needed to just get rid of that. <laughs> they needed to take care of that and then move forward. Well, they, also, I think they would have succeeded more. Also, I mean, like they're, they're trying to like the robots are trying to protect them. So it's like, Maybe you need to be like watching the news, keeping an eye. Maybe you're in there for good reason. You know, I did kind of like the joke at the end with like COVID 50 or 30 or whatever it was. That was kind of, they found out they were learning humor. Mm -hmm. You know, they did a little co did a silly COVID joke. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like, ah, I gotcha. I gotcha. That's a good joke there. Sean Pierre. Yeah, overall, I did. this just really wasn't for me. Unfortunately, I just wasn't wasn't too into it. Like I, I would say, like the first ten minutes, I was kind of really enjoying the visuals, but also just trying to keep up with what the hell was happening between these characters and trying to figure out who they all were and what was going on. And then the rest like the middle part, I was just like, okay, let's like, let's, let's move it along here. I just don't care about watching these sweaty people lay around. I think that was my thing too. It's like initially the, the, the world and everything. I was like, okay, I kind of like this, but at the same time, there was a part of me that was like, okay, I liked it. I like, I, I like all this, the, you know, the art direction and everything, but it's not going to be like this the whole time. Is it? Cause that seems sickening. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Are we? And then you realize very quickly that it's going to take place in that location for the entire duration. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, boy. Oh, man, I haven't had a migraine in a long time, but I'm due. tonight might be the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little intense, I would say. It's, I don't know. It, again, was just really not for me. It was a little bit of a disappointment. I, it, despite the visuals, I think that this... There just wasn't really enough here. I, like I didn't find it funny either, and maybe that's there was some of it was lost in translation. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the other thing too is that so much of this again not to, to harp on an entire nationality, but so much of it is French <laughs> humor, <laughs> where it's just like okay, like yeah. this, I guess the, the, I guess this is funny. I don't know, not to me, but True. who knows? Yeah. All right, what are you going to give Big Bug out of 10? I think it was like a three. Yeah, I'm sitting at like a three, three and a half. I do applaud them for a lot of the 
world built not not necessarily the world building but just like sort of the production design and the like the the robots like the ein the Einstein robot I thought looked really cool so I think a lot of it that was cool but the rest of it and even even the world building I thought was just pretty generic future sci-fi it was more yeah. is more like the specifics, like the specific things in the house, like the gadgets and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm a huge fan of the robot that wants you wants to help clean your room. Yeah, yeah. Love that guy. I love Toby. Oh yeah. And I was so happy about Toby, and then Toby gets locked outside, and I'm just like, well, this movie's only going to go downhill from here, <laughs> unless they somehow bring Toby back inside. Well, not only that, but they killed Toby, or at least they said that they killed Toby. They incinerated yeah. him, which I thought was kind of fucked up. Like, you don't need to do that. Yeah, that was just a bummer. Because as soon as he was introduced, I'm like, well, Toby's going to die some way. I mean, I was happy that you don't necessarily see it, so that's good. The joke, but- The joke there was that she has clones of him so it's like so many Tobies. so she so she didn't even care when she found out that that the current version was incinerated yeah get it which i would, I would <laughs> clone this i would clone this shit out of toby too oh yeah kidding me unless there were like weird you know like it like every time you clone them it was, it was like uh it was like multiplicity or something where like every time you clone them they get a little bit more off <laughs> <laughs> That would be funny that every time it cloned, it got close. It looked closer and closer to Michael Keaton. <laughs> uh, and eventually, it just turned into like a little Michael mini Michael Keaton. Keaton. <laughs> that's a dog. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. All right, yeah, that's a uh, big bug. That's on Netflix right now. Let's move on. Talk about some of what we're watching. Got a couple things on my list, but I think it might it, be. It- I think it might be your turn this week. Okay. Well, I got out. Let that kick it off with it. Oh, boy. 2019's First Love. This is available on Amazon Prime and the beloved Tubi TV. Everyone's favorite. You can watch it on either one. I know everyone's going to watch it on Tubi because that's the preferred choice. Uh, <laughs> this is your... Yeah. This is uh, Miyake doing... Uh, what I would consider just your default crime movie where you have a a young boxer, right? It's always a boxer. And he gets mixed up in the Yakuza. And there's a, there's a woman being held and forced into prostitution. And he's trying to help her out. And, of course, there's some corrupt cops. And there's this whole thing about, you know, trying to get some drugs and... You know, it seems like this has been, although I can't name the movies, I feel like this is kind of like a default uh, formula for Yakuza movies. And, uh, but it's Mieke and it's fun and it's good times. And God damn it, did I enjoy myself. Like he's just, it's a lot funnier than I was expecting it to be. Uh, it is, it's fucked up in some ways, which was not surprising and i mean it's just i don't know like the bak to me is just like he's like comfort food Mm -hmm. it's just he's like a bowl of mac and cheese a nice stovetop mac and cheese Mm. oh yeah 
just hits the spot. Fucking love it. And, uh, you know, I can sit there and you'd be like, you know, is this, is this a phenomenal film? Is this, like, pure cinema? No, it's not. But I fucking enjoyed the shit out of it. And that's all that matters when you're watching a Mieke. I don't remember too much about this one, but I did see it. And I do remember liking it quite a bit. I just, yeah, the, the, the Yakuza guy that's, like, stealing the drugs and kind of, like, trying to flip it and create this, like, this gang war. He just, his night escalates where he just has to keep killing more and more people. And that was not his intention from the outset, but he's just like, well, I've already <laughs> killed one, might as well kill two. Well, and then when he kills two, he's like, well, I just got to keep it going, I guess. I'm just going to be killing people tonight. That's my thing. <laughs> that's, that's my night booked. And he like runs over. He's like, the one guy he, he, he fucking disarms or whatever and knocks him out cold and he steals the guy's like, massive suv and he's just like wow i gotta kill this guy so he of course like drags his body over and puts his head underneath the tire and then gets in the suv and drives over his face and crushes his skull and i you know as disgusting as that sound it was also just fucking delightful Mm, mm -hmm. which is i think miyake is the only one that can do that he's the only one that can make truly fucked up shit but at the same time i can just sit there and be like this is delightful yeah such a just such a bonkers kind of director indeed just having fun with it hardest working director in japan i would say oh definitely this is what the first love's got to be like movie 372 <laughs> it's a lot that's for sure it's insane uh well speaking of directors that are like kind of comfort food i saw kimmy this is the uh, steven soderbergh's new oh, one yeah. And I look at I look at Soderbergh sort of the same way as I do with uh, Mieke, where like uh, some of his movies I love, some of them I think are okay. But at, at the at the end of the day, you're always going to be in for something that's probably going to entertain you and be pretty good. And that's kind of how I felt about Kimmy, which is sort of a um, cross between the net and like a Hitchcock film, like rear window or something. It's, uh, it's quite good. Actually. It stars Zoe Kravitz as a, uh, she, she works for a company that's sort of like, it's like an AI company that, that has this, this box. They're basically like an Amazon or an Apple where they have an AI box that is like Siri or, Alexa, you know, and what she does is she listens to recordings from these boxes that it, that it didn't interpret, interpret correctly and then fixes it so that it can be better and they can, you know, further develop the, uh, the platform. And she, while she's working, she's also agoraphobic. So she's, she works from home. She this is t- this takes place in Seattle and she ends up hearing on one of the recordings what she believes to be a woman being murdered and um. it um sets it's it sets forth this series of events where she's trying to figure out you know who who it was and, and uncover the truth behind this meanwhile the company that she works for seems to be trying to cover it up so she's trying to like circumvent them prevent them from covering this whole thing up 
then she becomes a target and she also is has like she's sort of forming a relationship with her neighbor across the street and they sort of like communicate you know through through the windows at each other and stuff and then they eventually start talking and blah 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 and um it's it's quite good i i enjoyed this quite a bit i thought that this the score was really good it had this very kind of hitchcockian score to it that i thought added a lot to the atmosphere this is set during covid19 so the pandemic plays a pretty large role in this as well um because it kind of the the pandemic sort of exacerbates her illness and like prevents her from you know fun- functioning even more and uh yeah it's it's really good uh it's it's on HBO Max so if you have HBO Max you can check it out right now i don't know if this is going to be one of those like ones that's, that's only on there for a couple weeks it might be but uh yeah j- it's not amazing or anything like that, but I had a really good time with it. So I would check it out. It's, it's called Kimmy. Interestingly, her character's name is Angela in this. And I believe that that is, um, Sandra Bullock's character's name in the net. And, uh, buzz from home alone is in this. And his name is Kevin, like Kevin McAllister. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but something I noted. How about that? Kevin Bertay. I watched uh, Aaron Loves Angela. This is from 1975. Gordon Parks Jr. I've almost seen all of Gordon Parks Jr.'s uh, films now. The only one I haven't seen is Three the Hard Way. So I think you could definitely say Aaron Loves Angela is the the least well-known of his, of his films. And it kind of makes sense in that regard. Uh, this is your, it's kind of like a teen, like a romance type movie where Aaron and Angela, they're two, two young kids living in Harlem. Uh, Aaron is black. Angela is Puerto Rican. So like they really shouldn't be together, you know, and they're, they're trying to, to work through that. And I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just trying to be too many different things in this movie because there's that angle. There's Aaron's like a basketball player and his dad was like an all American football player who even played in the NFL a little bit. And he's trying to get him to, you know, just work hard at basketball so he can earn money. And all he does is watch like his little slideshows of his time in the NFL and he owns like a rib place now. And then there's the, the drug angle where there's this like pin, like cocaine dealer. And it's just, I don't know. To me, there's just way too many things going on. But I think the, the main thing that is the detriment to this movie is the, the kid that plays Aaron, Kevin Hooks, is just like no charisma, no nothing. Which, in a sense, it's kind of perfect for the the narrative that they're going for here, where it's this kid that's just like, you know, this coming of age story where everything was just like a bit too much for him. Like he's just everything is just a little bit 
he's in too deep as he's in over his head between the romance, the the drug angle, him and his father, the relationship there, and his basketball career, all these things where he's just kind of like he always has this kind of like dumb dumbfounded look on his face, like there's just too much going on and he can't process it. Uh but kind of what it comes down to is on the flip side of that is I just he doesn't really have a presence. He doesn't have a charisma to him, you know, and the whole like uh romance angle of this thing it just is kind of a, a wet blanket where you're just like, huh, okay. I hope these kids but at the same time they're not really that interesting. Mm. But the one interesting thing about this, which is a thing that I miss about movies from this time frame, the entire score of this movie is Jose Feliciano doing like songs just for this movie, which is something that you used to get, where you used to get like huge, big name music people doing a score to like, you know, original songs mm-hmm. through and through. And it was, it, it was incredible. But at the same time, you got to deal with there's like a, of course, there's written in where it's like Jose Feliciano doing a performance at a bar and you have to sit through the entire performance. Because <laughs> I'm sure that was like written into the contract. Yeah. All right. That was Aaron Loves Angela. Speaking of charisma, I saw a movie that has a, a main character who has a lot of charisma, maybe too much, and used for a very kind of nefarious reasons. And that's the Tinder swindler on Netflix. This is a documentary crime doc. It is uh, this is directed by Felicity Morris. And it is about this, uh, this Israeli diamond mogul who is just a, he's a, he's just a con man. He's, he's a straight up con man who, meets women on Tinder and develops relationships with them and then basically begs them for money and then gets them to give him thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases. And it, you know, they, they interview the, some of the women who he scammed and the, process that they went through like it ba- basically th- like three of these women teamed up and took took him down and it kind of goes through the whole process it's a, a quite well made documentary it is very infuriating especially at the end uh because this guy is just such a shit bag and um it it it's always infuriating when you see these these con men like scamming people out of so much money. Uh, and uh, you know, surrounding this, I saw a lot of victim blaming, like, well, they're so stupid. Why would they give, why would they give him that much money and stuff like that? And like, that pisses me off when I see that, that type of stuff. It's the same, the same reason. Like when you hear about people who are in cults and stuff and like, if you're, if you're that dumb, maybe you, just, you deserve it. Like you don't have any idea like what's going on in these people's minds. You know, like these women, they were in love with this guy. Like the, the one, uh, the one woman was with him 
she thought that they were like engaged and like they were together for over a year. And you know, if the, the person who you want to spend the rest of your life with comes to you and says, Hey, my life is in danger. All my assets have been frozen. And up until that point, there've been no indications that this person is not a, a, a wealthy business businessman. Like, you know, I, I, I can, I can see where they, they would do that. You know, like if, if, if my wife <laughs> came to me and said that there's like a bunch of uh hitmen coming after her or something and then she needed money, I'd give her the money, you know? That's interesting. I don't know if my wife would. <laughs> she wouldn't give you the money? No, I don't think so. She'd be like, okay, this is too, I'm going to get out of here. Well, your, your wife's a very frugal person. So yeah, <laughs> maybe, but it's good, good for you. I'm glad you would. I would, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just money, you know? Like, Anyway. the So, yeah. I, I don't want to see any kind of victim blaming around this. But the movie itself is quite, is quite good. So, I, I would recommend it. It's not, like, amazing or anything. It's pretty, pretty much on par with the other Netflix-produced crime docs. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it's it's well. I think that's all it comes down to with those Netflix crime docs or any docs on Netflix for that matter is how interesting is the story, right? Because they're all they're all fairly well made, you know. Like, yeah, they all seem to have the same like production mm-hmm, mm-hmm. style to them, production value, that type of thing. Yeah. So it's just a matter of how interesting is it? Exactly. And I mean, this is like leaps and bounds above something that you'd see on like. Uh, HLN or, you know, one of those, uh, one of the, like discovery ID or, you know, what, and one of those other like TV channels that yeah. do like investigation discovery or whatever they do. Forensic files. Yeah. There, there's, there's yeah. one better, much, much higher production value than something like that. Gotcha. That's all I have. All right. I'll mention one more. I did see slap face, which is on shutter. I'm not going to talk about that because I didn't like it at all. Um, so I would just say avoid that. It's a pretty pretty boring horror movie. Uh, but I saw Vibes from 1988 directed by Ken Quapis. This is a romantic comedy starring Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper. And mm-hmm. you have Peter Falk in there as well. Incredible. So, <laughs> so what you, the premise of this is... Uh, Cindy Lauper plays a medium, so she has a a spirit that she talks to, and and Jeff Goldblum is uh, a, a psychometrist, where he can basically he has like uh, he touches things, anything that he touches, he can like learn everything about what that item like where it came from who touched it like all the information so like all of his psychic abilities are attached to objects so you have these two people who get hired by peter falk to go to ecuador and search for this this lost treasure that's in the jungle of ecuador and that should be enough to to sell you on this yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Of course, the 
the two Jeff Goldblum, Cindy Lauper, like they're they're very much an odd couple at first. Like they they don't really get along. They're kind of like snarky with each other, but as the adventure progresses, they of course fall in love. It's um you know it it did I I enjoyed it overall. I think that it starts off way stronger than than where it goes and where and how it ends. Um, because it did start to lose me towards the end, but it's still a uh, a pretty a pretty fun romp. You th- there's a there's some other people in this like uh, Steve Buscemi's in here for like one scene, and it's so it's a pretty early role for him too. But it's also interesting because he looks the same in this as he does now, pretty much. Uh, but. Yeah, I uh, I had fun with this one. I was I was looking for like kind of a light '80s comedy, and this this one definitely fits that bill. Julian Sands is in it too, because I think he was Incredible. in everything back then. Incredible. Yeah, this is on Amazon Prime, so if you have Prime, you can check it out on there. Let's see what we have in theaters this week. Got Dog coming out. This is with Channing Tatum. Is this the one he directed? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a buddy comedy that follows the misadventures of two former army rangers paired again. Oh, boy. He, he Channing Tatum kind of just disappeared there for a minute. And mm-hmm. then he came and then he came back. Yep. Now, cuz he's in that there's another movie that he's in with um Sandra Bullock that's coming out like a action comedy. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. We also have Uncharted coming out. This is the adaptation of the video game series. Mm, interesting. Yeah, it's the one with uh, Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Interestingly, when when the Uncharted games started coming out and people talk, talked about the possibility of a movie, everybody was like, oh, dude, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg would be perfect for, for Nathan Drake. But this was like 20 years ago or something, so... The they're now they cast Mark Wahlberg, but he's not playing Nathan Drake. He's playing Sully, which is kind of kind of a fun little nod there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can look at it that way if you want. <laughs> I guess you could look at it in a negative connotation as well. But, look at it any way you want, really. I mean, I I think I hope it's good. I mean, I'm always hopeful for a video game adaptation. Like, I always want them to be good, but expectations are non-existent for this one, certainly. Especially because Dan Trachtenberg was originally attached and left the project because he didn't like the direction it was heading. So that that's kind of a red flag for me right there. Yeah. And isn't it, what what's his name, Ruben Fleischer? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that who took over? Yeah, I don't no, know. That's another, that's another, I'd call that a yellow yeah. flag at least. Yeah. So That seems to me like... You're bringing in someone that's just going to do everything you want and not. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be like, okay, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. That is, uh, that is likely. I just, I just want to work. I just want to, I just want to earn a paycheck, guys. Come on. Uh, anyway, uh, the other one that is coming out in theaters is The Cursed, which is um, a, a horror movie that I'm not too familiar with. Late 1800s, a man arrives in a remote country village to investigate an attack by a wild animal, but discovers a much deeper and sinister force that has yeah. the manor and its 
townspeople and its grit. That's a tough one. That's one of those that you can't search that. I just type that in on Letterboxd. Yeah. There's the, it's like 20 fucking movies. I have no idea. One of them should be listed as 2022, and that'll be the one. That's not there. <laughs> what, what, what? Maybe it's this one. 2021. That, probably. Sean Ellis. Sean Ellis. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Sean Ellis. There we go. Sean Ellis. Uh, oh, that's the guy that did Anthropoid and The Broken. And he did that cash back movie yeah, that is, that is a remember that one cover that i've seen never seen the movie i saw the short but, film i didn't see the the actual um the the, the feature length and if i remember really correctly much. it was just about like a, a a kid who worked at a supermarket who like imagined all the women shoppers there like naked hmm yeah, I think there might have been more to it than that, but that's kind of what I remember. Interesting. Apparently, I've seen a, a Sean Ellis movie, Metro Manila. I don't remember this movie at all. Hmm. But apparently, I watched it and gave it two and a half stars. There you go. Uh, okay, so that's pretty much it for theaters. On VOD this week, uh, on the 15th, we have Help... We got Flee the Light, Here Before. What is that a uh, Saban Films release there? So, gives you an idea. We got Gridlocked, On Tour with the Briggs. Oh, yeah. So, that's if, you're, very... so if you're a fan of the Briggs, you check that out for a little, get your, get your rock doc fill. We got Red Ghost, Nazi Hunter. I'm actually somewhat interested in this a mythical lone wolf fighter known as the red ghost roams the russian forests sniping and killing nazis one by one yeah yeah i'm kind of into this on the 17th we have sundown this is uh with tim roth and charlotte gainsburg we have they live in the gray this is on shutter while investigating a child abuse case, a young social worker discovers that a supernatural entity is tormenting the family. Hmm. Got some interesting things on the uh, coming coming down the coming down the stream on Shutter. So stay tuned. For- yeah, am I? They got like a out of nowhere Jennifer Reader. Mm-hmm. What what's that all about? Didn't even hear anything. Just out of nowhere. Oh yeah. Dropping the movie on Shutter. Yeah, they're, they're, they. Well, seems like everyone, all these streaming services, just dropping movies. <laughs> just dropping. But they don't. They just don't have like the the advertising, the, the know, marketing. Yeah, they just don't seem to have that built up yet. Maybe they're like really banking on social media. You know, word, word so. of mouth type of marketing. It, it does seem like everyone's going that route. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's see what else we have here. The last bus. This is on the 18th. We got Streamline. About a swimmer from the looks of it. Benjamin Lane. It's inspired by true events. Uh, Yeah. 
I'm probably not interested in that. We got Ted K. This is a biopic about the Unabomber. Charlotte Char- Copley playing old Ted 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 Kaczynski. This actually looks somewhat interesting. Like, like I'm, I don't feel like I'm in the right headspace right now to see a biopic about Ted Kaczynski, but the, the film I, itself looks pretty well made. All I can think of anytime Ted Kaczynski is mentioned is Upright Citizens Brigade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh That's God. all I think of. Oh, man. <laughs> what a... What a that's how what, I see Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> what a show. Uh, Incarnation is another one that's coming out that looks like it's a horror movie starring Tay Diggs. Uh, let's see what else we have here. The Ledge. That's another Saban Films one. A rock climbing adventure between two friends turns into a terrifying nightmare. Mm-hmm. We got Pursuit coming out with uh, old John Cusack and and Emile Hirsch. Oh, boy. We got A Banquet. This is a a horror film put out by FC Midnight. Looks like it could be good. And that's pretty much it. Oh, I'm sorry. We have Texas Chainsaw Massacre coming out on Netflix. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That one I'll be checking out just for obvious reasons. Yeah, this one, it's so funny how David Gordon Green's Halloween comes out and then it was it was really successful. So like everybody now is like, let's reboot. Let's let's do these like pseudo reboot sequels to all the horror franchises. So this Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie is almost the exact same concept. You have it, it takes place now, modern times. And it's like a pseudo sequel to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre where I can't remember the woman's name, but the sole survivor of the first film, the the woman who gets away, mm-hmm. she's coming back in this one because like Leatherface comes out of hiding and starts killing again. And she finds out and is like, oh, time to take him down. Jamie Lee Curtis style, Laurie Strode style. Yeah. 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 And the... There's a the the Chucky series, the Child's Play series that's on Sci-Fi, that has a similar, uh, similar plot line too, where Andy, the 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 dude who played Andy in the uh, first, at least first two Child's Play movies, he comes back to take out Chucky. So it's it's like definitely a, definitely a trend. I don't, I don't need this. I don't need this. Don't want it. Yeah. Keep it. I, I will say that in the trailer for Texas Chainsaw, there's a there's a scene where Leatherface ends up on a party bus. So. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> so, no, see, this is that's what I don't like. Because, like, with Leatherface is he was just in his house. And these people just kept coming in. And he really had no choice. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, he just wanted to be left alone. He's there living out in the middle of nowhere. But and, and it looks kids like kids keep coming in their house. Yeah, and it looks like maybe that's how this one starts too, because the the trailer indicates that they did go into his house again. Now how he gets now how he gets up on gets on the party bus, I'm not sure. It would be interesting if it's just he's never really used public transportation. 
And he's like, I'm going to get the bus and get out of here. <laughs> this is a bus. I'm getting on this bus. And then it just it happens to be a party bus, and he doesn't quite understand. You know, you 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 see it in the trailer that obviously he's going to murder everybody on the party bus, but it would be funny if he didn't. He just rode the party bus as if it was a regular bus. It's just, it's just like, but the buses have changed. Buses have like the vibe of this bus is just completely different. Uh, I don't know. We'll They're see. Sp- <laughs> These are spirited people. Yeah, just going to hang back. Either way, I'll ch- I'll check it out. I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning last night just to because I kind of forgot what happened in that one. That was the one from 2016. It wasn't the the latest one, or maybe it was 2006. Actually, yeah, I think it was 2006. And then there was another one that was like Texas Chainsaw 3D or something that that came out after that. But it's just too many. Too many. There's a lot of them, yeah. And, and unfortunately, unfortunately, unlike some of the other horror franchises, the, the Texas Chainsaw sequels and reboots are not really that good. Like, they don't really add too much. No. But, yeah, but can they? You know, can they really? Well, I think that's the issue is that that franchise, quote unquote, just peaked with the first one. I mean, the first, should, like, yeah, like, it was just. The first one was just so it was Perfect it was like a light, lightning in a bottle that one. Mm-hmm. None of the other ones, even though the other ones, like all the sequels were way more violent and gory and like grisly and had more kills and all that stuff, like none of them came even even close to being as scary as the original. No. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be great. For Kevin Reichstrahl, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>